Hey there. I hate to do yet another episode on interviewing at a company, but I've gotten so many questions this past week about it, it seems relevant to do one right now. So to set the stage, I've been a manager at two Fortune 500 companies and a developer at three, among other places. I've worked in startups, small and mid-sized companies, and public and private companies. You've probably heard me rattle off my history before, but I think it's important to say this to establish that I've been around the block and have plenty of experience to draw on here. I've been interviewed dozens of times and I've performed hundreds of interviews at many different levels of experience, from college graduates uh, up through architects and above, and even done some uh, interviews of people who are sophomores and juniors in college who are looking to be placed either in an internship or be placed with a company after they've graduated. What I've learned through all of this time is that there's no standard procedure for interviewing, period. This is true in the whole industry, but also within companies themselves. Some companies have different subdivisions inside, and each subdivision kind of has their own process. Sometimes the whole company has its own approach. Some companies that I've worked for have had a very clearly defined process with questions that I'm supposed to ask the interviewees and like places to go and what to do in each location and how to just do the interview itself. Other companies have none of that whatsoever. I've been left to my own devices to create uh, my job requisition, type in the job description, all the way through to what questions am I going to ask this person and how, how am I going to run the interview. So it's completely across the board. It's scattershot, and you really don't know what you're going to be subjected to as an interviewee when you go in and interview at a company. So how does this relate to the topic in question today, which is leak code? There is massive fear about leak code. I don't know if it's a trend or, or what, but I do know that there's generally some apprehension about interviews in general, but leak code has really taken it over the top. And I think that is probably due to the magnification that it gets because I think companies like Google, um, many of the FANG companies use it in their assessment process. I think they're overblown uh, because y'all have heard me talk before about how FANG is overrated. Yeah, they're super important. They're super great companies. Uh, they look great on your resume. And a lot of people get prejudged just because they have worked at one of these companies before. So that's one more data point that a hiring company has on you as the interviewee, whether you've worked there. But my point in saying all this is that because those companies have such great or high powerful reputations and people want to work there, my personal opinion is that leak code gets way too much focus and attention as a method of hiring. But let me share a secret with you. Leak code is just a user interface to a database of questions. The content, the exercises themselves, are mostly just standard or familiar interview questions that you're going to get asked whether you're doing them in leak code or not. For example, you don't have to think this is a good question, but many employers ask interviewees to implement a bubble sort function in a particular language or a language of your choice. The point here is not to assess whether or not you remember bubble sort. I mean, some interviewers might actually care about that. But it's a scenario on Rails with a clearly defined input and output and thought process behind it that can be used to help determine whether or not you can write a program in a particular software development language, JavaScript or Java, whatever. So even if you write a function that runs but doesn't solve the problem, the interviewer now knows that you're not just blowing smoke and do actually know the language. 
you could score a zero on the exercise itself because it doesn't run to completion, right? You, you've got a function, it does run, but the output isn't perfect. So you get a zero out of whatever on the, the exercise. And you might have done way better than any of the other interviewees in that group of people who were being assessed. And you might even get a job offer as a result. Ideally, the interviewer is going to be looking at your submission and seeing how you problem solved and wrote your code, and you are going to get stacked and ranked against all the other people in that batch of candidates who did the same thing. This doesn't guarantee you're going to get a job offer because the hiring manager may look and say, oh my goodness, we did uh, 20 interviews this week and nobody could finish the question. Was it a bad question or did we just get like 20 week candidates? That's the kind of discussion that's going to go on behind the scenes, depending on the, the people who took the assessment, how it all turned out. The difficulty and the scale of the problem you get, though, can give insights into where you land as a junior, mid-level, or a senior developer. And what I mean by that is, did you use good variable names? Did you use proper scope? Is your code clean or commented? Are your classes fully encapsulated? Did you write modular code and define clean interfaces and boundaries between parts of your application? All of those questions can be answered with a score of zero or non quote unquote working code. So when you're doing one of these assessments, be thinking about what it is that you are submitting to the hiring manager or the panel on the other side of the assessment. Don't get too down on yourself about a score. Uh, but make sure you're actually following the process of writing good software development first and then aiming for that goal of working outcome from your function or the code that you're submitting as a secondary thing. Yes, you may get stuck with an interviewer who cares more about the outcome than the process you followed, but ultimately the interview is about you showing what you can do. And it's better, in my opinion, to always focus on the process of being an engineer and a good developer and not worry so much about the outcome, like whether or not your bubble sort function sorts everything 100% perfectly. Because those are the kind of problems that you can work through when you've got more time to solve the problem. But the things you should be doing right is scoping your variables correctly and all the other stuff that makes you develop high quality code. And something else is true here too, but maybe not for the bubble sort function example, but did you follow test-driven development or write unit tests? When you, when you did write unit tests, did you write positive tests only or did you write negative tests too? It shows the person who's evaluating your code what your problem solving level is and how you're thinking through logically each step of development. All of these questions matter during an interview and every interview that you go through will be trying to figure you out like a puzzle. Some are going to do it better than others. And why do we do this? Because nobody can actually take you at your word, unfortunately. You may think you're the greatest developer in the world, or you may think you're awful, and the exact opposite may be true. And that's what the interview is trying to do, is to be able to figure out where you fall in that rank of junior, mid, senior, or above. Your personal evaluation of how good you are is just too biased. Unless maybe you have a Git repository that you can share and the interviewer can actually see your history of commits. That does help a lot, but just a personal story here, you have to be able to validate that you were the person who was writing code and submitting it to the Git repository in the first place. Many years ago, I had an interviewee submit a Git repository to me in lieu of a coding exam or, or code assessment like leak code or whatever. When they submitted their code to me, it was basically just a file dump and upload. So just one commit, no history of any changes in the repository itself. 
And what I found was that it was all code that they had taken from AT&T, their current employer, that they had just like taken down and thrown into a Git repository. That's a huge problem. So I didn't hire this person just based on ethical grounds because they definitely violated a non-disclosure agreement to some degree, but they also stole intellectual property and it was very clear it was AT&T's IP because it had internal URLs for RESTful APIs embedded in the code. But the code itself was a hodgepodge of multiple different coding styles, so it had clearly been written by many people over many years. And so, yes, I got a Git repository, but I, I couldn't tell what the candidate had written versus other people. It was just fishy and a disgusting experience all around. So they didn't get hired. That was a really bad approach for them and for the company that they were trying to get hired on at my company through. So just really bad all around. Don't do that. Use a personal Git repository, have commits over time, show what you can do and how you're thinking through problem solving. But getting back to leak code as a UI, I hope you can see that the questions themselves aren't really intended to trip you up. They probably come across that way. Uh, having done them myself, I know they do for sure. I got way too focused on the goal there and sometimes just wrote terrible code in order to get the output produced and thought I did a good job. But there's a lot more going on here than simply writing code to perform a task. And your score that you get is not as clear as it may seem. Everyone who's hiring either already knows this or should know this and should hear this from me, uh, that the scores are not as important as they may seem. Nobody likes being scored and leak code isn't the only thing out there. Hacker rank is another one and it's used largely the same way. I can use predefined content or create my own assessment to run a person through to get an idea of where they fall on that scale of junior to senior or, or thereabouts. Online forums talk about these tools. I get emails and personal messages about how to pass them, but I don't really think a person should be so intimidated by them. The content is what should intimidate you because yes, you are expected to prove what you can do in an interview. Your job history and resume is quote unquote evidence that the interviewer isn't gonna waste their time interviewing you. A phone screen further confirms that you won't waste the time of the interviewing panel, and the interviewing panel is there to confirm that you're not lying to us. Spoiler alert, I get lied to a lot in interviews. So direct your anger at the people trying to game the system, the ones who are lying to hiring managers, the ones who actually don't have the experience, who are having other people sit in and take the assessments that for the job that this other person wants to get hired onto. And also just accept that leak code kind of sucks. It's imperfect. And a lot of these coding assessments and questions are like that. It's dumb that I can't just trust a person is capable of writing code because they have a degree in computer science. I think I said in another episode, I once interviewed a guy who had a master's in computer science. And when we went to go talk about software, it was clear the guy couldn't write a for loop. That's mind blowing to me. How you can get an advanced degree in computer science and not be able to write a for loop. But it happened. And I'll tell you my personal approach to interviewing is that it's not adversarial. I'm very emotionally supportive in the interviews and I will give softball questions. and I will try and tease out answers from the people who are answering questions because I'm going to work with these people for a good long time after they get hired. So it's not in my interest to like turn screws on people and put them under a lot of pressure and make them nervous so they can't even think about how to solve the problem in the first place. 
what I'm trying to do is get an idea of how this person thinks. How are they going to fit into my team? How are they going to contribute? And that's where the softball questions come. You don't just jump into the most difficult question ever. What you do is help make the person feel at ease, build a rapport, because after the interview is over, I'm going to make a really good offer. I want you to get paid a whole lot of money because I want you to be excited to come work on my team and, and help us solve our problems. You are going to be a critical component to us achieving our goals. And you need to feel like that. But I'm just one person. Not everybody has the same approach to interviewing. So your interviews are going to be hit or miss. You're going to get lucky sometimes and you're going to have great interviewers you're going to get unlucky sometimes and have really poor interviewers or ones that are inexperienced. Or you might get unlucky and it's just late in their day and they're tired. They might have had a real long day at work or they might have missed lunch and now they're interviewing you. You don't know these things and you actually can't control them anyways. What you can do is control yourself. You can and must keep a positive attitude, be enthusiastic, and not get down on yourself. Your interview journey will probably take 6 to 12 months, so get in it for the long mindset from the very beginning, and it's going to require you to submit dozens of resumes to many different companies or multiple versions of a resume to the same company but for different positions that you apply for. You should be tailoring your resume to each position, and just because you applied for one position at a company doesn't mean that you're a candidate or will be assessed for other positions that are open. If you don't get an offer, it also doesn't mean that you can't get hired at that company. Find another job rack or wait a little while for new ones to post and then try again. You have to be persistent, you have to be patient, and you have to be your own advocate and be assertive in the application process. If you do these things, I have faith that you'll get a job. The interview process, the application process is not perfect. Great candidates are not going to get through even though they should, and really poor candidates are going to get through even though they shouldn't. So take that with a grain of salt and just keep trying uh, because at the end of the day, it's a it's completely a manual process. It's people assessing people and we're not good judges of what people can and can't do, but we're trying our best. I am very sorry that it's not perfect. I too am subject to all of the positives and negatives that I just shared with you today. But I do want to share that there's a whole bunch going on behind the scenes that you may not think about or know is happening and that the scores that you get that quote unquote rank you into a certain level, they're not as black and white as it may seem. So there it is. There's my opinion on the subject of leak code and tools like it that are used to hire. If you've got further questions for me, please feel free to send me an email. Hello at grantdryden.com or tweet me at tweets of grant or connect with me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next time.